Shock Sports Radio starts now. If Jason Tatum did not miss nine games, Jason Tatum would have been the number one pick in this draft. This guy had the knack, the ability to free his own shot. I think Pritchard was asking too much. Danny wasn't willing to give up. And that's just the way it goes. As a GM, your responsibility is to get the best offer out there. Yeah, that's my point, though. I think he's trying to you know, look at his career as a whole and say, I don't want to go 3-9. and nine. podcast we will talk about the nba the mlb the nhl it's all back tune in welcome to week 16 count of week 16 of shark sports radio alongside of me is giffy and it's yours truly, Mark Lysel Jr., a.k.a. Shark, right here in the Ocean State. Thank you all for tuning in tonight. Um, as you can imagine, we're all living in COVID times, and you know, I'm hanging out on the couch here, just hanging out with my friend here, Giff. And uh, Giff, thanks for joining today. Thanks, man. Apocalyptic sports are here. If we ever wanted to know what sports were going to be like under apocalyptic conditions, you got, you, got, you got bubble sports, and you got MLB teams catching COVID, and you got the NFL not not knowing what to do. So we got a couple of shirt things and a couple of things up in the air. For sure, for sure. But before we get started, I do want to make a shout-out to um, Take a Shelfie podcast. It's a podcast about beer, bottle shops, the beer you buy in bottle shops, and, of course, friendship. Uh, you can follow them on Instagram at Shelfie Podcast. And you can also listen to them on Spotify, your Apple Podcasts, and more platforms. Um, Giff, I'm actually drinking a Whaler's APA. Do you know what that means? I do not, but it sounds delicious. It's American Pale Ale. And I mean, that's my go-to this summer. Um, but what's your celebratory drink? Uh, celebratory drink? Um, you know, I think if, if we're going beer... Um, I always, uh, I like to go with a little sip of sunshine myself, um, but if it's at the end of the night, after a, uh, after a previous long engagement night, um, probably some, uh, some proper 12 on the rocks. Oh, there you go. Nice nightcap for you right there. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's all about the nightcap, my friend. Oh, that's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing, and of course, let's talk about the sports we have, you know, coming up. It's going to be tremendous. It feels like forever. Um, I just can't imagine 2020 being like this from the start to the end. I mean, first, you know, just diving into it, just the passing of Kobe Bryant. I know we, you know, kind of all lived through it, and it was so devastating at the time, and RIP to him, but 2020 has sucked. And there's no other word for it, to be honest with you. I, I can't think of another word besides sucked, because it has just been every single kind of brutal, every single kind yeah, I mean, you you know, you start with that, and then um, obviously, you know, what what made it, I think, you know, extra hard for uh, for all of us is that Kobe was like such a uh, he seemed uh, impenetrable 
um, whenever you, you you know the immovable force you know versus the immovable object um, you know he always he was a warrior and he always would play through pain he would play through broken fingers uh, the face mask you know broken broken nose all that other stuff and then you know he's bringing his daughter to, to a basketball game in a helicopter and it's just like that's that's what takes him out so yeah um, it's, it's devastating it, yeah it's crazy it, it was devastating and. You know, I think he was an NBA icon. You know, the last stand, you know, with Michael uh, Jordan, that was tremendous. And I, I think, you know, when you look at the bigger picture, this is coming full circle now. The NBA is back. And it's back in full force. And I would like, at this time, Giff, to applaud every sports league that has now came back. They have found a way to make something happen for us to get entertained for us to do something, for us to buy jerseys, to get excited for these different seasons, the the resumes. I mean, it's been awesome to see. And hats off to Adam Silver starting it off with a bubble in Orlando. Where else, Giff? Where else? Nice Disney World. Gotta love it in Orlando. Well, it's funny because it's in Orlando, but the, the, the city with, you know, Disneyland and the most things to do, you can't go anywhere. You just gotta stay in your hotel room. So you know, I I, I get it. It's awesome that they're doing it. Um, I, I think this whole process has basically um, it's done two things. It's solidified Adam Silver is probably the best commissioner in, in in sports today, just because his his kind of flawlessness and seamlessness to be able to be the bridge between the players right. and between the owners, uh, and to really seem like he's actually on the player's side on some things um, because you have Roger Goodell for the NFL who, you know, everyone says he works for the owners. No one really says that about Adam Silver. Like, no, you're right. And that's never, that's never the caveat with it. So, you know, to reaffirm that he's the best commissioner in sports. But I'll tell you what, Gary Bettman has actually gone up a couple notches. Because Gary, Gary's only, close. He's close. Yeah, like, not only did he get, he came, you know, again, they got the bubble idea, he got Edmonton, he got Toronto, he, got, he made that whole idea. But he also got a collective bargaining agreement signed during a pandemic. And, by the way, all of his players still got paid all their money. Correct. They still had enough money left over to pay all their players. So, you know, I think um, I think Roger Goodell and I think um, Rob Manfred, who's a distant four, that guy's a dope. Um, but I think... Tell me um, how you really feel. <laughs> well, it, it's like... I'm just kidding. I already know how you feel. I already know. Yeah. He, he, yeah, like you can't be a commissioner and, and every time you open your mouth, fumble around. Exactly. You exactly. You yeah. can't. So, um, speaking of the NBA, let's get into it. You know, I, sure. I think it's going to be a huge start. You know, you, you're talking about the Jazz versus the Pelicans and Lakers versus the Clippers to kick things off, to tip it off on Thursday. And Zion Williamson is going to be practicing tomorrow with the team, so he is now returning. So that is always good for the NBA as far as ratings goes. And obviously it's a business. You know, you always want the business to continue, right? You never want it to fail. And Adam Silver's platform, you know, I, I think it's right there. I, I think it's good to have it. You know, you got eight remaining games for the regular seating for seating purposes. And then the first round of the playoffs starts on August 15th, and then the finals begin on September 30th. Um, so expectations-wise, Gev, I, I think we're going to see some ultimate basketball, even though there won't be any fans. I think these guys are still athletic as all hell, and 
they have made up their mind that it is now during the COVID times to make something happen and to, to act like you have nothing to lose. This is going to be a pronounced NBA playoffs. It's going to be good. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be, you know, it's, it's crazy with all the sports that are happening, but I think even with the amount of games that are going to be for uh, the NBA coming back, it's, it's going to be great. Now, obviously, uh, I think Adam Silver uh, had, you know, four or five, thousand panic attacks when Zion did have to leave the bubble and obviously we hope you know I hope we hope everything's okay it was a family emergency but you know I look it could have been 20 teams but they made it 22 teams to make sure that it wasn't completely obvious that they wanted Zion in the bubble right I mean, let's just be honest we all know so, that he's he's one of the big reasons why obviously and again they made it 11 teams for each conference because they didn't want to make it that obvious so um but yeah, coming back, I mean, you know, great night to open. You got Zion in the in the early part, and then you got you know Lakers Clippers in the in the nightcap, and and honestly, those are what two of the three big storylines going into the bubble. You got Zion. How's he going to do? Are they going to make the playoffs? I think they're two and a half, three games back with with eight to go. Yep. And then you got Lakers Clippers, who's going to come out of the West, and then the other story is basically will Milwaukee trip up or will they just steamroll like everybody thinks they're gonna yeah i i think there's a bunch of storylines going into this and one that i really want to get into is the collective teams versus the star power because i think the this year of all years there's been tremendous depth a part of every single playoff team and i think it's going to be key of which depth is going to develop over this eight-game stretch going into the playoffs. Because when you look at Milwaukee, they have a bunch of shooters, they got great rebounders, they have incredible ball handlers, and they also have a power scorer in Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, But you also have other teams out there in the mix that can also make some noise, and it's going to be a part of their depth. And I think a a team like Miami Heat, for instance, that could potentially be a team that could give Milwaukee trouble. And the reason why I say that is you kind of look at who can be the X factor, meaning who can guard Giannis. Because I think what it comes down to is if you can guard Giannis, you can kind of secure the people around him as well. So at the end of the day, there's three-point scores. You know, you got... Uh, DiVincenzo, you know, you got George Hill, um, you know, you guys, you got guys that can score lights out. Middleton, I mean, Middleton shoots a, you know, 40% clip every freaking game, you know, so I think he's a can't miss kind of guy. And it's going to come down to these type of teams that have depth, that have defensive players that can stop Giannis because Giannis is the East right now. Giannis is the guy that you cannot stop. In the West, in the West, Gip, we, we can get to that. I just want to hear your personal opinion on the East. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the East is, is Milwaukee's to win. And, you know, I, I, that's not that hard of a, of a take to have. Um, obviously, when you have um, Giannis, who, you know, um, is, is, is getting better and better. He can get in the paint whenever he wants. And, look, if he can shoot. You know, he was trending upwards, I think, between the 33, 35% um, from three. Listen, if he's shooting 35 and up from three and he can get to lane and he can distribute, 
that's that's almost you know I don't even like that. There's 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 all pro and then there's all Madden in the Madden game. But if Giannis is able to shoot thirty five percent and get in the lane that he's at, you're gonna have to create another harder level because that's basically what it's gonna be for the East. Um, I know we talked previously as far as like you know potential teams that can that can give um, you know that can give. Milwaukee trouble um, and there's actually one team that we didn't talk about we can get to that in a second but um, so so tell so who were the two teams that you brought up to me earlier yeah so the two teams that I brought up are the Miami Heat easily I, I, I think Miami with Jimmy Butler Duncan Robinson you got Tyler Hero uh, Bam you know you, you got some good length down low um, you know and at the end of the day too I think Eric Spolstra doesn't get enough credit for what he's done with that team. He doesn't. And he can somehow make it happen. And I think Jimmy's really, Jimmy Butler, he's really the superstar, the catalyst of that team. And he's the motor of that team that makes that team go, obviously. He's one of the best players in the Eastern Conference. A, a team in my eyes that could possibly, I'm not saying they will, but possibly make it to six, seven games with Milwaukee is a team like Indiana. Now, the reason why I say Indiana is, you, you know, you got Malcolm Brogdon, you got Victor Oladipo, T.J. Warren, you got some good size in Miles Turner, you know, and um, Sabonis. So I think what what's going to be really, really huge for Indiana is T.J. Warren trying to lock up Giannis. And then I know it's not easy to do, obviously. He's one of the best players in the NBA. But he is a guy that's tremendous defensively, and he has put a lot of locks on a lot of offensive players that can score lights out. And he's played along guys like Devin Booker, and he can kind of know like you know what what's a good time to to defend on ball, and when's a good time to lay off the guy and, and go from there. So I I think Indiana could make some noise. I'm not saying they will, but that's a team to watch out. I think Celtics. My issue with the Celtics is the, de- uh, the development of the younger guys. They need to develop because Ennis Cantor is not going to be on the floor for long. Robert Williams is going to have to step up. Romeo Lankford, the young guy, is going to have to immensely step up if Gordon Hayward leaves. And that is true. He might leave due to um, you know, another baby in the mix. And then also, Kemba Walker, what's his injury status looking like? He has been showing up in, in these exhibition games. The first game he played was re- the previous game. He might play tonight, but my whole like caution behind that is, yes, they have talent, but their talent may be a little too late. And I love the Seas, but at the end of the day, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be realistic. I just don't think they have enough push to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, yet alone the NBA Finals. Yeah, so um, Miami, um, and, and here's how much of, of, of uh, sports brain that my brain wasn't into. I even forgot that Miami got Iguodala. Um, so, but honestly, like, Iguodala, you know, he's, again, he's towards the tail end of his career. Um, do I think that he can be a pest uh, to Giannis? But, you know, I, I don't think anybody can check him on Miami. Um, I agree with you as far as the, the shooting um, of Miami and the athleticism, but my only concern with um, with Miami is that look at all the young guys that they're relying on, and two big ones being 
uh, Tyler Hero, uh, and Bam, you know, this would be their first major um, playoff push. And for as cocky and as confident as as Tyler Hero is and for as exuberant and just athletically freakish as Bam is, um, it's a different, you know, intensity-wise and just just pressure-wise, it's a different ballgame. So I think... um, Will they perform well? Yeah, I think so. But I think everything gets it's ratcheted up. You know, a couple other levels in the playoffs will be interesting to see kind of um, how they, you know, uh, how they how they go on there. I, I agree. Spolstra's uh, one of the top five coaches of the league, maybe top three, um, depending upon you know what your what your uh, cup of tea is. But you know, I think they could be a pest. Um, I just don't see anybody that can directly check. Um, Giannis on that team and, and I think it'd be a fun series because you know Jimmy Butler's not going to back down from anybody in fact he's probably going to want to guard Giannis for half the series which is going to be you know pretty entertaining to see because Butler's just a dog I love it um, the Indiana pick is interesting but I think I think if this was full um, if this was full health um, you know, if you were looking at a video game and, and you were looking at Oladipo right now, his health meter is probably half of what it could be. <laughs> I um, love that comparison. You know, especially so coming, yeah, especially coming off of the injury. Um, you know, look, I, I like TJ Warren for that team. Um, Brogdon has been, has, you know, they've been able to really pick up the slack without him. Um, I just, uh, again, uh, Oladipo is is a great defender, but when it comes to sizing up Giannis and 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 on top of that. Oladipo is probably the best offensive weapon that they have. Um, I, I just think it's too much for for him to take on um, in a series. And, and you know, Brogdon, he you know he'd probably be the X factor, but I just don't see that. Now you're gonna you're gonna probably laugh me out, and I'm probably I'm probably gonna listen to this and laugh myself out of the building. Um, but I I still think Philly's a, 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 oh, a, a, a no. A, and here's why. Okay, here's why. I'll give you a reason. Go case. ahead. You can go, but yeah, I'll give you a reason yeah. why. Here's my case. Now, yeah. I'm going to acknowledge, and I'm probably going to take your thunder when I acknowledge all the negatives about um, about Philly. You know, they're, you know, look, Brent Brown, okay, that's that's the talk. The worst. Okay? Um, the worst. You get yeah, another coach, you put Eric Spolstra on Philly, gift. If you put Eric Spolstra on Philly, they would be a top three seed. Brett Brown, with that team, you're what, six? six oh, yeah, in the yeah so they're six right now. But I, I'm also pretty sure that if you put Kurt Rambis or Derek Fisher on that team, they're also a three-seed. So let's let's not let's not get it twisted. Um, that's how bad Brett Brown has been. But here's, here's my case. Um, Embiid, Embiid's, the, Embiid's the linchpin, and, and here's why. I For as good as, as Milwaukee is, Mm-hmm. Um, their center situation. Now they probably put Giannis, but I don't know if they put Giannis on Embiid for the entire series because they need they need Giannis's um, playmaking and, and scoring ability. So it's probably going to be Robert, um, Brooke Lopez you know, or Robin Lopez. Yeah, exactly. So I give the edge to Embiid. Now, look, when you're talking about Philly, there's like 59 caveats that you got to throw in there because they're 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 they seemed like a flawed team, even though they kind of shouldn't be. They they seem like it. If Embiid shows up to play if he doesn't take a bunch of dumb three-pointers and he is an absolute monster in the middle and Tobias Harris and Josh Richardson 
are good outside options. And Ben Simmons continuously does the things that he does. And listen, maybe he even shoots 30% from three for the series. That at least is a case for, um, for, for Philly to, and again, I think Milwaukee's coming out of there. I just, I think that Philly could potentially give them issues, again, if they get there and if they don't implode down the stretch of the eight games before this all gets started. Yeah, you always find an out. You always try to find an out with Philly. You Like, honestly, I, I've been watching Philly for a lot of years, right? Going back to Allen Iverson. And trust me, I, lo- I loved AI. But they don't have anybody with that killer mentality. Like, Embiid, Embiid's soft. I don't care what anybody said. He, he is so soft. If you're his size, if you're his size, you should be bodied in the paint. You're seven foot, what is he, 280? I mean, what does Shaq do best? Shaq stayed on the post, and he dominated. And B's got to look at that game tape and watch what Shaq does. He's got to stop shooting threes. I don't care if he has the capability to shoot a three. Okay, you shoot it once I'd in a while. Him. I'd find him every single three. I would. But, you know, say you shoot once in a while. It is what it is, right? But I'm sorry, Brett Brown from the top, and a guy that I can see as being a very good player in this playoffs is Richardson, Josh Richardson. He's a very good scorer. He's kind of like Lou Williams-esque at times where he can take over a game. Not to say he's like Lou Williams. I'm not saying that. But Brett Brown, he is really the key to making that team either go or they suck. And they have been just so bad, Gep. How bad have they been? They've been so bad because they went on. They they should be. Okay, so look. I'll give you an example. I think it's. And it's also. This always happens. Um, Toronto's the two seed. Right? And no one's one's talking about them. No, they're they're the secret team. Yeah, even though it's. it's, it's, You know, the, the main guy who was on their team last year that won them a title is obviously on the Clippers and Kawhi. But everybody is still there. But, you know, nobody talks about them. But here's the thing with that. Toronto had every option to underachieve because you're 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 coming off of a of a, of a world title. Um, you're coming off of a seven game series with um, with Philly, where, where it was just back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Right. Um, you're, it was a hard road to get there, and Kawhi's playing on one leg, right? So, and then you go up against the Warriors. Now, obviously. Things didn't break the Warriors' way in that series with, you know, Katie coming back getting hurt, uh, you know, Clay getting hurt. So, you know, but again, you got to win the games. You got But my point is, is that Toronto had every opportunity to underachieve and to basically get, you know, quote unquote, fat and happy, so to speak. Even though some of the case that's Kyle Lowry, fat and happy. But I digress. Um, so, <laughs> you, we don't fat shame people here on Shark Sports Radio, Gap. We don't do that. My here. bad. Write me a letter. Um, so, basically, you um, they had every opportunity to, to be consistent at the coast, but they still came back into the number two seed in the East and with the, really the same team and, and with a pretty veteran squad last year. So, oppose that with Philadelphia. You get, you know, out in a seven-game series last year um, off of an amazing shot from Kawhi, you know, game seven at the buzzer. And then you come back, you have this, you know, you have pretty much the same team. But you, you can't get it together. You have all the talent in the world. So I just think, I believe it's Brett Brown. Uh, but I think it's also tough from a, from a franchise momentum perspective when you have a coach who's lost as many games as he has. 
uh, and then all of a sudden you got to throw the expectations into overdrive and, and, and now achieve with the team. I think that's a hard transition to make, you know, especially when you go from losing, losing, being kind of the laughing stock uh, of, of the league to now having all these assets and having to actually achieve something. I think that's hard for a coach. You know, even though that's what they want, they want those expectations, they want those players. I just think that's a hard transition to make, especially when, you know, Elton Brand took over and there was a regime change. You know, regardless, I would have I changed the coach either way. There's two big, huge callus in my eyes that can that could possibly make Philly, you know, an intriguing option for Eastern Conference Finals. And Ben Simmons, his development with the three ball seems to be doing well. It seems like he's been dedicated and practicing. You know, let's see how it turns out onto the hardwood when it comes to the playoffs. But he does look extremely well in, in, in these games. He's been playing with a little bit of energy, a little extra push. Maybe it's, you know, a sign of, hey, you know, this contract, I got to live up to it kind of thing. And then at the end of the day, too, you got, I'm telling you right now, if MB does not camp down low, Brett Brown should be fired because Embiid is unstoppable when you put him on the block or you put him in, you know, concentration of grabbing rebounds. When he gets in that mode, he is unstoppable. He's a, a 25 and 13 kind of guy every single night. He can live up to that expectation. Maybe even more. Maybe close to 30. But um, switching back to the Western Conference, okay, that side... I feel like this is going to be a shorter conversation. That side of the ball, I mean, that side of the court, I mean, that's just, that's extremely, extremely deep as far as the Western Conference goes. I, I really think, I, I love the Lakers, okay? I really do. I like what they did, and I like how good they've been over the course of the year. Frank Vogel has done an excellent job in handling LeBron and AD, and, you know, just the way the character is on the court, they seem like they really care. Kyle Kuzma's playing lights out. And I think the Clippers, on the other hand, they have a ton of depth, but they have really powerful guys, not, not just depth. They have guys that know their role, and, and that's a Doc Rivers type of team. Anytime you can get two prolific scorers in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and then you get complementary players like Pat Beverly and, um, God, who's the, uh, Montrell Harris, right? Montrez Harrell? Montrez Harrell. Yeah. And their depth is really what's key. And if they can win the West, it's going to be because they could outscore and outdefend LeBron James. And the Oklahoma City Thunder, don't sleep on them either. But we'll get back to that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's a two-team race. And, and honestly, um, I think any time... When you have the, 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 the collective teams, when you have the, um, the Utahs and the Oklahoma Cities and, um, you know, the Portland, to a certain extent, even though they obviously have two, you know, superstars in, in, in C.J. McCollum and, and, and Dan Lillard. Right. Um, I think anytime you hit the pause button on a season and all of that momentum that you had as a team, regardless of, of how hot you were or if you were firing on all cylinders, um, I think when there's a pause and there's a reset, the teams that are front-loaded with the uh, most talent, I think, are going to ultimately, you know, when you're basically thrown into the mix and you've got to get, um, I think the talent will will prevail over a well-oiled team. 
So I think that that being said, um, I think the Lakers and the Clippers are 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 the favorites. Um, just looking at the because um, obviously you got to kind of see what's going on in Vegas. Um, top five teams um, that are, and again, there's a big gap between teams three and teams or team three and team four. Right. But right now, the odds. I'm on um, very very apropos. I'm on oddshark.com, oh. and uh, so right now the Lakers are favorites at plus two hundred. Milwaukee's plus 280, and the Clippers are plus 300. And then the next closest team is your Boston Celtics at plus 1,200. Wow. And then Houston to round out the top five at, at plus 1,400. So um, I think, and look, it's deeper than the East, absolutely. Um, obviously with Denver, Utah, Oklahoma City, Houston, Dallas, and then whatever that that – Mix is going to be between Sacramento, New Orleans, and Portland, and how that works with Memphis don't, or don't, what have you. Don't don't sleep on Memphis, man. John ja Morant and those guys, Jared Jackson, they got something going on. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what's in the water in Memphis, but they got an energy, and they could probably make some noise with either the one, two, or three three seed going up against them. I, I think yeah, I, I I can see them stealing the game for the Lakers. Sure, why they, not? They may. Um, you know. Jock can get hot and, and, and the Lakers can fall asleep and um, you know so uh, I think like I said I think it's the Lakers and the Clippers and, and, and I, I don't really see um, any other now look I think the the team and again it's like it's going back to Philly and you can always go back to this team and say well if all of these things happen honestly what Houston was doing before before you know COVID um you know, drop the elbow off the top rope with that small lineup, and basically, you know, PJ PJ Tucker was playing five, and um, you know, basically, you have uh, those five guys on the floor that actually seem to be doing pretty well. And the fact that people saying that oh, it's not sustainable, it's not sustainable. Well, no, guess it what? has been. It's a sprint now. Yeah. There's no sustainability. There's no sustainability needed. So when you when you go to Houston. And you take a look at that team, and and how it's constructed, and basically Daryl Morey, this is his, um, this is his analytics erection, uh, as as you were, like right. basically having all of these small guys on the floor, spacing the floor, letting Harden do his thing, letting Westbrook do his thing, and then anything additional that you can get, um, you know, from guys like Eric Gordon, from guys like you know Ben McLemore, PJ Tucker, Jeff Green. And especially Covington, look, they, they might, and again, in a in a in a non sustainability not being a factor, they might be they might be kind of a, a live dog in all this. No, I think they could definitely make some noise in the playoffs and give a couple of teams a run for their money. Um, a, a team that, in my eyes, they could probably go toe to toe with, you know, is definitely the Denver Nuggets or the Utah Jazz if they play them. Um, and I think they can make their way possibly to the Western Conference Finals. You know, say if they give the Clippers a, a big, a good shot. Hey, if Chris Paul didn't get hurt against uh, the Golden State Warriors that year, um, you know, I, I would say the Houston Rockets would have been a team not to be reckoned with in sure. in the West. Um, yeah. If there's any comparison with Houston, though, it's it's Philly. And I, I like the way you said Philly in the East. It's kind of it's it, it's compared to Houston because their potential 
their potential is so catastrophic that both of them are so frustrating to watch at times. They're terrible. It's terrible. It is. And, and Mike D'Antoni, he's so up and down. Sometimes some games you love him, some games you hate him, and a lot of times you hate him because they don't play defense. And with Brett Brown, you could say the same thing when it comes to his play calling. I don't know what they're running offense in. I don't know what type of defense they're running sometimes. Like, it's just so inconsistent. And Mike D'Antoni's kind of like Brett Brown when it comes to inconsistency. And if they can get on track, yes, both of those teams can make noise and go to the, their conference finals. But they need to have some kind of game plan going in because sometimes they just go in and they're saying, all right, I'm going to hand the ball off to James Harden. I'm going to hand off the ball to Russell Westbrook. And P.J. Tucker, you're going to take the you know, guy that plays you know, the best offense on the other opposing team. That's always what happens, and there's no collective group. And you have to, in, the, in this day and age in the NBA, you have got to use your depth because that is what's going to win you an NBA Finals. And that's why Toronto still exists. That's why Toronto is still in the mix is because they have so much depth on that team and Nick Nurse has those guys come to play. And um, Piscal Siakam is still averaging 24 points a game. And Fred Van Vliet is showing he's a gamer. These guys' development, development is huge. If Brett Brown can develop the young guys and Mike D'Antoni can get on his head straight, those two teams can make some noise. And that's just an example. Toronto is a perfect, perfect um, example moving forward. And it's it's ordinary for Mike D'Antoni to be in the playoffs. It is. He showed that he can make it into the playoffs. He just has to come with it in this playoffs to show he's the real deal when it comes to NBA caliber coaches. Olympics, he was tremendous with Coach K. Tremendous. He did everything possible that Coach K wanted him to do. But when it comes to the Houston Rockets, your job is to formulate a game plan to beat the LA Lakers and the LA Clippers. And they can do it. They just got to show it. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think there was, there's a couple games that I watched. It was, I think it was Houston Lakers. Um, I think it was in, in late January, early February. And I think around the same time they, they, they played the Celtics. And, yep. and their ball movement and their offense with, with Covington, with, with Harden, with um, Russ. Tremendous. Um, with P.J. PJ Tucker playing the five. And, and whoever they threw in there, whether it was Eric Gordon, whether it was Ben McLemore, whoever it was, um, was electric. It was just, it was fast. It was, and again, it was, it was, de- it was forty-five threes a game, but it was fast. And Russ was doing Russ things, and dunking on people, and and, and mean mugging them. And I was like, okay, this is the old Russ again. So, yeah, it, and and I think Philly and Houston are always compared because they're frustrating because they can be doing so much better. And, exactly. Um, you know, but I think when it comes down to it, if if I had to, you know, at point blank, I think. Um, so I'll, I'll do this. Who, who comes out of each? Um, who comes out of each conference, and what could be one upset in the first round of the playoffs? I think uh, I think it's I think it's Clippers, and I think it's Bucks. And the only reason why I say that is because um, J.R. Smith and uh, Waiters Island are gonna get substantial minutes. That's not good. Not good. That's that's not good at all. Not at um, all. And again, AD's on a different level. LeBron's on a different level. Um, I just don't know if they have. And I actually think that, that Rondo breaking his wrist is going to be a lot more hurtful than I think a lot of people think um, because 
you know, he, he has playoff experience. And look, you got to listen to it. you got to think of this too. AD is amazing. AD could get MVP this year. He definitely should get Defensive Player of the Year. Boom. He's a stat stuffer, but, though. He's a stat stuffer. I, but that was my point. He hasn't really been in a deep playoff stretch yet. He hasn't been in a deep playoff run, so even he's new to that. So, you know, with LeBron being the really only guy there that has major, legitimate playoff experience, and then you, you juxtapose that with uh, with the Clippers, who, you know, you got Kawhi, you got Pat Beverly, you got, and, and it's Doc. And Doc has been through so, you know, so many battles, you know, so many, you know, finals uh, appearances or battles with Miami or wherever it is. The Lakers. He's, he's been in battles. Yeah. yeah, Lakers too. So I think it's Clippers and I think it's Bucks. Um, one potential um, upset if I'm looking at the first round of the playoffs. Um, look, I hate to say it, and I'm not doing this because I'm a Lakers fan. I think that that if Philly has their heads on straight, I think they can beat your Celtics in the first round. Oh boy, you're lucky you're talking. Had, you're lucky you're talking to me through an iPad right now. Um, <laughs> I, I, so I think that's the that's the upset watch in the in the East, um, and I think the West. Um, yeah, Houston over Denver as of right now. I think that potentially could happen too. Yeah, and also keep in mind, people. Okay, there's eight games left to play, so a lot of the seeding can yeah, change. Yeah, as, as it stands right now, at, I don't think a ton will change. But if it does, then we can obviously revisit that. Right, right, right. As it stands right now, yes, I'm going Bucks Clippers. I I think that's just an easy assessment. I, I just think you know, like you said, I think LA Clippers just have it all, and I I think the LA Lakers are gonna be you know right there in the mix. But I think the Lakers could actually, you know, possibly lose to Houston if they're not ready for those type of games. Sure. Um, but I, I would say an upset in my eyes that could happen. I, I honestly, I, I'm a big Indiana fan. Um, but when it comes to, see, see, it's tough for me because the Miami Heat and Indiana, they're 4-5 right now, right? And there's not many games between... Four, five, and six. There's a two-game spread, right? Philly's 14 games back. Indiana's 14. And then Miami's 12. So a lot of that could be interchangeable. Um, I, I want to say, honestly, I think Toronto could definitely make some noise and get into the Eastern Conference Finals. And I, I don't think that's a long shot. I don't. I don't. I, I think Miami could make a run at them. But I think Toronto... Man, Nick Nurse just showed that he can do a lot with a little. And he, he has been tremendous this year. And I'm telling you right now, if it comes down to it, they're going to be prepared to battle against a team when it comes to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, uh, uh, Isn't it funny, though, that they're the number two, they're the number two seed in the East, but yet they're the sixth, uh, sixth or highest or sixth lowest, I guess, for the, for the odds for the NBA Finals? Yeah, so just getting disrespected across the board. So Vegas goes off of hype, right? So like you look at players, individual players on the team, they don't really go after you know the the complete teams. And and this day and age, like I said, depth is huge, and coaching oh, sure. and coaching is huge. So if you put depth in coaching, right? Mike Boldenhoser um, for the Bucks, right? He has done an amazing job with Milwaukee. Right, and you also have the Clippers and Doc Rivers. Those guys are really good at what they do, 
And yes, they have two really good all-stars. Maybe even three. Paul, put Paul George in the mix. But that will be a battle for many years to come. Giannis versus Kawhi, Paul George, and you know you got a lot of the mix. I, I think Milwaukee has the most balanced team. I think LA Clippers have the entire it factor around their team that just won't give up. So it's going to come down to okay, can you you know do more with less with Milwaukee? Yeah. Or could you do more with more talented guys with the Clippers? I think it ultimately comes down to the Clippers. But yeah, I, I, I think ultimately it's it's I think it's the I think it's the Clippers. Um, I think it's the Clippers title to win. Now, you know, if 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 the Lakers are going to get look, if they're going to get production from J.R. Smith, if they're going to get production from uh, Deion Waiters, if if Kyle Kuzma is going to raise his game to another level, if um, if if if, if, if another another seventh or eighth guy off the bench, if if Contavious Caldwell Pope gives them you know anything off the bench, like. You know, if they do that, plus LeBron and plus AD, yeah. But I just you, you I, said I, the I word if. Like, if you said the word if a lot, so one hundred percent. I watch too many games where the bench um, they'd go out to maybe you know a fifteen point lead and then and then get the lead back because the bench is in the game. So their right. their glaring weakness is their is their um, is their depth. So, but. You know, I think it's I think it's Clippers Milwaukee, and again, if I had to pick, I, I think I think Giannis is on a different level, and I still have doubts about Kawhi's um, durability down the stretch, and I don't know how healthy Paul George is going into that. Yep. So I think I'd probably have to go Milwaukee to win the whole thing. Wow, wow, that's that's a good call. I mean, I don't disagree. I think it'd go either way, but a team that I could see upsetting a lot of teams in this playoffs is the Thunder. I just, I love what Billy Donovan's doing, and I'm sorry, Chris Paul is best when he is alone. That dude can be a floor general at the best, at the highest level. When he was with New Orleans, he was the guy that pick and rolled with David West every single time, and he brought that team to the playoffs nine out of ten times. He has brought that team to another level. He has brought along younger guys, defensively sound, they can play one-on-one basketball. They can play, you know, contribution basketball, defensively sound. At the end of the day, these guys on Oklahoma City have real good coach Billy Donovan, but they also have a very, very good leadership quality player in Chris Paul, who is exactly what they need for those young guys to grow, especially CGA, SGA. Yeah, Chris Paul's never been a second banana. I mean, even in, in when the, the trade happened when he went to Houston, um, I know a lot of people were like, you know, uh, I, even when he even when the trade happened, everybody's like, well, there's only one ball to share. And, and you can't, it's going to be hard to have two ball-dominant guys that are there. And, and it seemed like whenever it got to crunch time or down the stretch, it was like, you know, me, you, me, you, and it's like that. that I just that, that 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 never worked. Even though they had some, you know, obviously some some, you know, they had Game Six at home against an injured Golden State Warriors team, and they could have, you know, changed NBA history. But you know, they they lost, and you know, the rest is history. Um, but yeah, Chris Paul's never been a second banana. He needs to have the ball in his hand. He needs to be in control, and and he needs, you know, I think he, I think he probably left Houston under less than stellar circumstances and I think that some dirty laundry got aired out with, with whether it happened or not you 
know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Yep. You know, I think he had a pretty uh, uh, painful exit from Houston. And, and honestly, I think a lot of people maybe blamed him or, you know, it was just like, listen, they brought you in to win a title and now they're shipping you out and you still didn't win a title. So I think, you know, he's definitely showing he's got a lot left in the tank. And, and when he's when he's given the reins, um, you know, he can he can bring a young team and, you know, look, they're a five seed. You know, who, who knew they were going to be a five seed going into the year? Yeah, and he's also got to stay healthy. That, that has been a thing over the course of his career. But if you look four through six, right? So four is Jazz, five is Thunder, and six is Rockets. Rockets are nine and five back, nine point five back. Thunder are nine point five back, and Jazz are eight point five back. So that's one game between the four seed and the six seed, right? So I am raving for a four-five matchup with the Thunder and the Rockets. If that's the basketball gods need to make that happen because if that happens. Houston, oh my goodness, they could be in for a rude awakening because Oklahoma City could eventually just in the first round tell them to go home, pack your stuff. Like Chris Paul and Billy Donovan could be like, we're not messing around, we're coming to play. And I don't care who you are, James Harden, I don't care who you are, Russell Westbrook. At the end of the day, if I'm playing you guys, I'm bringing every single ounce of my body towards the series and I don't care if I use so much, I get tired for the next matchup. This is Chris Paul's NBA, be amazing. NBA God, Finals. Be so good. It would be his NBA I even, Finals. I'd even pay for that on pay-per-view, to be honest. They should charge pay-per-view prices for that, <laughs> for that series. Um, it would. Yeah, I mean, that'd be amazing. And honestly, yeah. like, you know, even if they wanted to do something like, uh, if you get that matchup where 4-5, whoever it is, Houston, Houston 4, OKC 5, or OKC 5-4, Houston 5. Right. Um, and this should happen to maybe get a COVID scare and just cancel the rest of the season so we can get that playoff matchup. Oh, that'd, be, that'd, 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 that'd be appreciated. Um, but yeah, that's that's the that's the first round matchup. You know, uh, Lakers probably win, Clippers probably win. Who knows about the three six? But that four five, I watch every single game of that series. I would too if that happens. All right, so let's move on. We we talked a lot about the NBA. Um, we'll talk quickly about some MLB. Uh, we have to since it's it's already began. The season has resumed. Um, there is a little bit of curiosity going on with the Miami Marlins. That you know, 19 players test positive, aka they went to the strip club and had a great night out in Atlanta. Um, is, that, is, wait, is that is that what is being reported? For sure, that's the report out there on the Twitter sphere. Um, oh no! But but in my eyes, you know, they went to get them wings there, Shark. Yeah. They I, went to get them wings at the strip club. Yeah, they went to get their wings, and they went to get, you yeah. know, some liquored up. Um, but little did they know that they had to wear masks and follow protocol. But, man, Robert May- Manfred seems to be happy with what, you know, is going on with the MLB because, for some reason, the 60 game is just a perfect example of how teams that should not be in the playoffs will probably make it to the playoffs. And... Some people look at that as a good thing, but in baseball, it's all about runs. Like, a team can go on a huge run, and then they make their name into the playoff when they shouldn't be there in the first place. So, I I just think the overall talent in the MLB, it's beginning to look a little bit like, um, you know, back in the day when you can call superstars on each team. A lot of the growth is getting there. 
But when it comes to collective teams in the playoffs for MLB, I mean, the Oakland A's out there in the West, they can make some noise. They're just, they're a very fundamentally sound baseball team. They're very good offense. Matt Chapman's a heck of a third baseman. So when I look at the AL versus NL, there's a lot of noise to be made about the NL, with especially with Mookie going to the Dodgers. But the AL, too, they have a ton of talent, but the 60-game season is what worries me because I don't think it's enough for teams to come back to that should be in the mix. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. Well, not only are you going to have teams that are, that are competitive who, who may not be because of 60 games, but you also have the new playoff roster where, you know, over half the league makes the playoffs. Right. So, you know, I, basically um, it's the top two um, finishers in each division. It's like a round then, robin. Well, yeah, but it's like, so you get, you get, so essentially you get the top two teams from each division get in the playoffs and then the next two best records. So you can have two out of the three divisions having three out of five teams. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Which is, which is is crazy. So, um, you know, I know that obviously with 60 games, if you have two bad weeks, you're pretty much, you know, done so from there. Yep. Red Um, Sox. I, I, I just... You can talk about the depth in the leagues. You can talk about potentially all these teams. I, I think it's Yankees and I think it's Dodgers. And I'll say it for the same reason that I said beforehand. When you, when you have a team where everyone's starting from scratch, it's just talent. Like all those teams up and up to bottom, top to bottom, are stacked. I mean, you got the you have the Yankees lineup where pretty much one through nine, everybody can hit twenty five home runs or more. Um, you know, you you. And, and listen, Garrett Cole, opening night, was was firing BBs. And I still think that guy's not going to miss a beat. Um, and I think that depth-wise, both in the starting pitching and in the rotation, or excuse me, um, starting pitching and in the bullpen, um, they're they're deep and they can hit the ball out of the ballpark. And, um, you know, so, and same thing with the Dodgers, you know. Um, I do find it kind of fitting that um, Mookie ended up going to the Dodgers because, um, if you look at his postseason stats, uh, they're not very good. In fact, they're they're awful. Um, so my dad, what a perfect day, team. Like, yeah, it's fitting that it's fitting that he goes to the Dodgers because they don't perform in the postseason they, either. They don't um, at all. They're a regular season yeah. team. They are the best. They are one of the best all time regular season teams, and they yeah. don't show up in the playoffs ever. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, we'll we'll see if the season even keeps on keeping <laughs> on because you know, who knows? Um, it just. It, COVID, COVID doesn't have any boundaries with anybody, so who knows who knows what happens there. But, you know, I don't even – I think the Red Sox are a dumpster fryer. I, I don't even think we should go into it because, no. you know um, – I have all these you, facts written down, as you can see, on our show sheet, and I honestly don't want to go through it because – All news. It's just ne- terrible. It's negativity. <laughs> like, Ben Attendee before last, last night's bunt, right, was 0 for 18 since last year. Right? Yeah. Chris Sale, Tommy John. Eddie Rodriguez dealing with heart issues because of COVID. Then you have yeah. Mookie Betts gone, and their bullpen and starting pitching is atrocious. They have there's nowhere they have nowhere to be found right now in the bullpen. They they are trying to find scrap and claw every single person that's on the free agent market, in the farm systems, trying to trade. It's just it, it's going back to okay. 
Dave Dombrowski traded all of our depth away for a, you know, a guy that has had Tommy John surgery how many years? You know, I, I, I just think Chris Sale being gone, um, yes, I, I think we would have lost the Cy Young Award, and he was pretty pronounced in that playoffs, obviously, so I don't think we would have had a World Series. But, man, it's tough to give him that contract. And then to see him get injured year in and year out and not be able to throw right, just it's an investment. It's a risky investment. It paid off for one year. I don't know if it's going to ever pan out for years to come. And then you also have to pay guys like Devers and um, Bogarts again after Bogarts' contract's up. Ben Attendee, you don't even know what you're going to get out of this guy moving forward. He can't even see the light of day with the ball. It looks like he's playing blindfolded. He's swinging at balls in the dirt, you know. So I, I think the Red Sox are just a troubling organization right now. I hate what they did in, in the, the postseason. I mean, uh, sorry, in the offseason. Um, you know, just getting rid of Alex Cora without going through the process and figuring it out because I think Alex Cora is one hell of a manager. I think Rob Renneke, he's he's okay, you know, but he's not a player's coach. Alex Cora is. That's why Alex Cora can relate with these guys because he's so good and gifted at that talent. So, yes, Red Sox, I didn't mean to go on that rant there, but Red Sox are in for a definitely troubling season in this 2020 season. And I don't know if they'll ever find their gear, but we hope so. But, yeah, the Rays and the Yankees are definitely coming out of the East. I mean, those two teams are ready to go playoff bound already. And a team you can watch out for, too, is Cleveland and Minnesota. I think Minnesota's a great team. You know, you got Angels out there with Mike Trout. And, um, you know, who's the guy from uh, Washington they signed this offseason? Regardless, he, he, he can hit 25 home runs. Um, so, at the end of the day, if you're looking at the big picture, the MLB has a lot of questions, but they have a lot of talented teams. And this 60-game season, honestly... It might be good down the stretch, but to start, it's going to get boring. And teams have to get creative with their stadiums. They have to put, like, you know, some kind of green screen behind it and show graphics because, God, it's so depressing looking at Fenway Park with empty seats. So depressing. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's apocalyptic baseball. It's, yeah. It's it's, 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 it's it's baseball after the mushroom cloud. Um, I... A couple things. So this is what happens when you hire Dave Dombrowski as your general manager. Um, we now have two organizations that have um, basically been decimated due to um, the the um, basically free handouts of the farm system. You yeah. had Detroit, where he came from, where they were competitive uh, in the majors. But when he got there, as similar to when he got to the Red Sox, yeah. they had a top ten farm system. Um, but they basically, um, when they got David Price, um, when they got you know a bunch of their 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 high end um, talent, they gave up the farm to do it. And now, since they kind of tapered off, um, or since he left, you can kind of see they really haven't been relevant since. Where's the farm same system? Thing with the yeah, yeah, um, same thing. You know, you have a top ten farm system. Uh, you give up um, four, not one, not two, not three. You give up four prospects. Craig Kimbrell, who is a, a uh, again, 
Were they bidding against themselves? Did they think that did somebody send them a phantom text message and said it's going to take two more prospects to get him? Like, four prospects for Craig Kimbrell? Really? Uh, you know, a guy who got replaced in the World Series by Chris Sale, a starting pitcher, in order to, to, to shore up the deal? Um, you know, so, uh, and then the sales trade, um, you know, so just, again, yeah, you got a World Series, but it costs you, you know, uh, four or five years to rebuild. So that's that's probably enough on them because, yeah, they're a dumpster fire. Yeah, I, I, I think Dave Dabrowski really put them in uh, definitely a hole for years to come. And Anthony Rendon is who, I'm trying to, who I was trying to think of. He's the guy that can hit for the Angels. And the Angels are off to a tough start. I get that. Um, but moving over to the ice, we'll talk about some NHL talk because I know you're a big hockey fanatic and huge with the Bruins. Um, they restart on August 1st uh, against the yeah. Flyers. Yo. Yeah, so there's, a, there's, there's one, or I think it's one, one exhibition game or two exhibition games, and then um, they're doing, so basically the top, I want to say it's the top 13 um, teams from, let me see, uh, top 12 um, from each conference make the playoffs. So how it sets up is that um, in both leagues you have uh, the 8-9, 5 12 And then the winners of that, and by the way, I'm pretty sure, uh, I think those are five-game series to start off. Yes. And then you go into the the second round of the playoffs with um, the the top four seeds, um, basically playing the winners of that first round. So just as a quick recap, top four for the East, Boston, Tampa Bay, Washington, Philly. Top four for the West, St. Louis, Colorado, uh, Vegas, and, uh, and Dallas. So the, all four of those teams get buys, and then um, they play the um, the winners of what's called the first round, which again, 8-9, matchups um, for the East and the West. Um, kind of the big, you know, other than, you know, people get tested and making sure they're okay, um, the kind of big bugaboo that I'm sure Bruce Cassidy is very tired of talking about is, uh, is David Posternock. Um you know, I think three three weeks ago, a month ago, maybe a little bit uh, later than that, he oh, was photographed. Yeah, uh, skating um, in Boston outside with other people and uh, and not wearing masks. And um, I also don't think he really came back in shape either because he ain't really had. It's kind of a combination of making sure he's quarantined and making sure he's in shape. Right. Um, you know, I think I, I think they'll probably keep the one seed. Because um, I'm pretty sure they're eight points up on uh, on Washington. Yes, they are. Yep. Um, and again, today, so um, and they got the exhibition game, and then they'll they'll go to there. So you know, look, Tampa Bay actually. Yeah, so, sorry, Tampa Bay. Yeah, Tampa Bay. Yeah, Tampa Bay is the, they're eight points up on Tampa Bay. Um, so they'll get the one seed. Um, kind of looking at their their path. Um, look, even the, even the the winner. So the eight nine matchup in the East is Toronto and Columbus. Right. That's not a walk in the park for them. No, it's not. It's not. Because, you know, know, um, Austin Matthews and those boys in Toronto, I was at Game 7 last year. It was a a tough series. And, um, you know, I think Toronto, obviously, they've kind of, you know, underachieved a little bit this year. But, again, everybody hitting the reset button. And especially in hockey, it's who gets hot. And Columbus, they they had a dog fight with Columbus a couple years ago. Um, so I, ugh, I just think that, um, you know, it's not an easy, um, 
easy path. And then after that, you know, you got your, um, you know, it's either, you say, for instance, it's either if Pittsburgh moves on, um, you got to play the, the winner of Pittsburgh and, and Philly, which again, not a cakewalk. And then, you know, either Tampa Bay or Washington if the higher seed. So their path to the finals is not ideal um, with, um, you know, uh, they were they were the hottest team. They were on, on, on pace to win the President's Trophy. But looking at there, it's not an easy road to, to, to the Stanley Cup finals if they want to get there. Right. I think uh, the Bruins really, over time, they learn that the teams that beat them are the teams that keep, you know, punching, you know, keep punching them. And a team like Toronto, yeah. when you have, you know, John, uh, John Tavares and you have Austin Matthews, who's just coming off of COVID, so he said, he tested positive, you know, two weeks ago. I, I think these guys look at, you know, I have nothing to lose. And Jonathan Tavares is from Toronto. He wants to be the hometown hero. I think Toronto is a team that a lot of people can't sleep on. And also the, the Flyers. The Flyers have great depth. They have a lot of star power, great defensively sound players that can put the puck in the net as well. And so I, I think the Bruins are going to definitely have a tough time getting back to the Eastern Conference Finals and even getting into the NHL Stanley Cup Finals. I, yeah. I, ju I just think overall the East is very underrated. I think people you know, kind of overlook it, and they look at the Western Conference, and, you know, they look and see, you know, you, you got great teams out West, and it's difficult to win the East, and once you get into the Western Conference, you know, f um, Western Conference side of things, it, it's hard to battle teams out West because they're so freaking fast. They are yeah. fast. They are tough. They move the puck extremely quick, and at the end of the day, I, I think a, a team like uh, Toronto is exactly um, Bruins kryptonite. I, I think they would definitely show them why they're a, you know a team not to be you know uh, I guess targeting in, in the East. But yeah, I, and um, I, so just a couple of um, you know, and again, just to, to, you know, uh, a couple of uh, first round matchups that I think would be uh, extremely fun. Um, number one, you have Edmonton. And then you have uh, Chicago. So you've got Connor McDavid against Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, which Ooh. is just phenomenal. Killer. And it's funny because they, uh, so obviously the 5 12 matchup, but I'm pretty sure that when they were looking at the potential matchups, they went, oh, you mean we can get Connor McDavid against Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves in the first round? Yeah, let's just make it 24 teams. Go for it. <laughs> uh, that's, that, that's a good matchup. And look, um, and it, it kind of, you know, uh, a sleeper team. Um, don't sleep on the, uh, the the Phoenix Coyotes against the Nashville Predators. Um, you know, Taylor Hall got traded there, um, you know, earlier in the year. Uh, they were a little bit banged up, um, but they were kind of hitting their stride when it came to, um, you know, when it right before COVID. Um, so don't sleep on that matchup. And then, you know, um, as far as the East, it, they're okay matchups, but I think as far as the first round goes, um, I think... Oilers, Chicago, um, and then you got um, and then you got Nashville and um, in Phoenix, and I think those are probably two of the most um, you know entertaining first round. And then obviously when you get the second round, it'll be a little bit better. But Oilers, Blackhawks is going to be phenomenal. Yeah, and, and I'm really excited to see what the atmosphere is going to be, Giff, because they they said they're going to hype it up in Edmonton and Toronto and have these these places look stellar 
and they're gonna have EA Sports crowd noise in the back, and it, it, it's going to be well done, I think, the presentation. So it's going to be intriguing to see, okay, which, which atmosphere is better? Is it the NBA bubble, or is it NHL? And I think the entertainment side of things is obviously the NHL, because it's, it's faster, you're gonna have hard-hitting hockey, you're gonna see a lot of different fights, you're gonna have tremendous goaltending, so I think the NHL has a one-up on the NBA right now only because the, the atmosphere within the sport itself is more intriguing than watching you know, basketball. And usually a lot of times why people watch the NBA is due to the crowd. Honestly, the crowd gets into it and then the crowd kind of you know, injects into the players and the players play harder. So I think... Out of all the leagues, the NBA feeds off the crowd, and I think the NHL-wise, I think skill is more profound in that sport, um, and also, I mean, the dynamics. You got hitting, you got fighting, like I said, so I'm expecting NHL to be a fun playoffs to watch, as usual, every single year, regardless of no fans. They just always come to play, and... I don't know. Like I said, it will be a definitely fun, um, you know, I guess, comparison when it's all said and done of, you know, which was more entertaining to watch. Was the NBA bubble or was the NHL bubble? So. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I think the, anytime you have playoff hockey, um, I think, I think at its core, the earlier rounds of the NHL playoffs are, the are best. more entertaining than the NBA because yeah, especially over the past five years when you know there's only about two or three teams um, in each conference that can realistically have a shot to go to the finals um, very rarely over the past five even ten years um, you know when you go back to you know um, kind of where LeBron um, was, was in you know peak LeBron mode with the with the heat um, you know over the past 10-15 years there's pretty much every year there's like two or three teams that can realistically win it. Whereas hockey, um, you get the you get the team that comes out of nowhere, you know, every year. Um, you know, you got it when the when the Rangers uh, made the finals. Uh, I think it was three or four years ago against against the Kings. Or um, you know, you get um, you know a goalie gets hot, and then you know on you know they can bring a team to the you know to the promised land. So um, also too. Uh, they're going to have to put these games on a five or ten second delay due to swearing. Um, why can't we actually put this on HBO and just let it rip? You know what I mean? I, like, I agree. I mean, you, I, I, listen. It's it. By the way, Canadian swearing over American swearing is a bit different. Is it menacing? I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. So you know, uh, it's it's fine. And plus, if you watch any of those HBO, it's, I think it's HBO Hard documentaries. Um, yeah. When like leading up to. Um, I think I watched the one where it was Boston. They were hosting the uh, the Winter Classic, and it was kind of the lead up to that. And uh, it was riveting television because they're yelling at the refs, they're swearing at each other. It's phenomenal. So hey, listen, you know this, these are trying times. Why not, uh, you know, keep your hand off of the cusp button and just let it rip? Yeah. And, well, also what you could do is gif is go back into the tape very quickly. I mean, these guys get paid to do this is you go back into the tape and just cut out the, the, I guess, the parts that don't swear. I mean, obviously, it's a playoff-like atmosphere, so you're going to have to, you know, allow it to happen, maybe bleep it out. But I agree. I think, you know, 
people these days, you know, they read on social media, you know, they're all about, you know, the access, insider access. Give me stuff that I can, you know, have, I mean, I can't have. And that's the type of thing that you can have. And it's, it's capable of happening. It's just the league's got to be very, very cognizant of, of doing it because of FCC protocols. So, I get it, but what if you did, um, you know, what if you did, uh, we did a partnership with, uh, you know, HBO can show pretty much whatever they want. So what if you have the, the games on, you know, the family-friendly friendly five, ten-second delay on the NBC networks, and then you flip over to either Showtime or HBO, and you're basically getting the telecast without it. You can probably do that. Well, yeah, you could do that. You could have a dual broadcast where one's on NBA uh, TV or a TNT, ESPN, ABC, whatever it is, um, and then you could do HBO. Yeah, you could do that. I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't see, you know, why not, you know, and, and I think NFL would be perfect for it. All these leagues would be. I, I think it would be really nice to see because everybody watches Hard Knocks. Why? It's because all these guys are mic'd up and they're talking about realistic and, and being honest with themselves and, you know, real life events happen. It, it's, it's really cool to see that type of transition. So I wouldn't mind seeing guys get mic'd up, like you said. I think that's a terrific idea. And, and so we'll, we'll wrap up here, Giff, because I know we've been talking for you know about an hour or so here. Um, coming away from the COVID situation and just you know living up into the sports bubble back on is probably the best damn thing that has ever happened in this time. And, you know, Black Lives Matter, um, you know, all these type of movements going on, I think it's very, very important for these players to play and make their voices heard because they're, they are at the highest platform possible. And when the resources are, you know, there for you, you have to make the most of it. And I think a lot of the guys have. I, Jimmy Butler has done a tremendous job. I think LeBron James has done a great job. Dwayne Wade and Chris Paul teaming up. You know, Carmelo Anthony especially in the NBA, I think MLB, you know, you look at the Red Sox and, you know, putting Black Lives Matter on the green monster on the outside of the, the stadium. It's the little things that can make us, you know, feel good about moving forward because there's so much negativity in this world and the positivity is coming from within. So if we can kind of create ideas and entertain people and just make people feel good, especially Sports is a huge, huge um, good in people. And, and they just have a, you know, just an essence of taking a pause from real life and living in, okay, I get to watch the Lakers versus the Celtics, say, in the NBA Finals. Again, like, that's so cool to see as far as the past goes. The past four or five months has been just terrible. And it's, it's been dra dra drawing a lot of people to watch sports. And I think ratings are going to be at an all-time high. And I think business is going to be booming in the sports world, which is tremendous for all commissioners. And I think the ratings will just be really nice to see and at an all-time high, like I said, historically. I think that will happen. Um, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, anytime that you can um, distract people from, you know, for a couple hours, um, and, and I think that we've been very lucky, um, you know, not lucky because, you know, but I think we're, we're, we're lucky to be able to still watch sports again, even though, you know, there's obviously a pandemic going on. Um, 
And I gotta say, I know we haven't talked about it, but UFC without fans is absolutely awesome. Yeah. I watched. <laughs> if you want to watch and get a sense of how hard these guys hit each other, please go back. I think you can go watch it on ESPN Plus if you're a member, and I promise you, they're not paying us. This is just my 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 thing here. Is that please go watch the Justin Gagey Tony Ferguson interim lightweight title fight that happened a couple of months ago. The shots that they land on each other are like cannon shots, and I promise if you're not a if you're not a fan of the sport, you will be after watching that fight because it was absolutely phenomenal. And um, but you know that's just a, that's that's an example of you know have taken three hours out of your out of your week and um, you know just kind of escaping to, to to give yourself a distraction. You know, and that's that's what sports is. Um, and I think that you know. Um, I saw a funny uh, thing the other day, I think it was on Barstool, where it was an old Packers-Bears score from halftime. And I think it was in, oh gosh, it was probably three or four years ago. And um, I'm pretty sure it was, I think it was 41-7 to or 38-7 to at halftime. Oh my God. But they replaced the, they replaced the Packers and the Bears names with 2020. 2020, yeah, world. I saw that, yeah. yeah so, so it was 38-7. So it was uh, 2020-38, the World 7 at halftime. I was like, that sounds about right, right about now. That does. And, uh, you know, exactly right. I think it's a perfect segue. I hope we, you know, made you guys feel like it was a distraction away from real life. And, you know, I'm glad that you all tuned in. And uh, thanks, Giffy, for joining. And um, I think we got an exciting couple of months ahead. And I think it's only going to get better as time goes, as long as everybody follows the rules. Um, and, you know, hopefully we get over this pandemic and we're back to normal so fans can get back in the arenas and really, truly live it up and live like it's your last day in that arena. Um, I think just just the takeaway from sports kind of makes people want it more. It's just like anything else. If you can't have it, you want it more, you know, So and especially if you want it. So I think at the end of the day, I, I definitely appreciate all these commissioners finding ways to entertain people, you know, engage within the, the social, um, you know, structure and figuring out ways to promote and, you know, help a lot of people out. And I, I think I, you know, congratulate all these sports leagues for doing what they are doing because they are making us entertain and doing something that we are normally doing. And that's watching the television and just enjoying each other's presence, regardless if we have to wear a mask or not. So yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, definitely hats off to all of them for um, for getting it done. Um, I think the, uh, the two biggest takeaways that I think uh, over COVID, as far as sports are concerned, is that uh, number one, uh, I'm pretty sure somebody from the Houston Astros organization created COVID because the number one story pre-COVID was that their whole cheating scandal, and that there couldn't have been a team on the planet that had been happier than the Houston Astros when that stuff hit because that oh, basically yeah. took everything off of that until it got brought up again because they kept getting thrown at it in spring training games. So right. that's one, and. Um, who knew that uh, strip club chicken wings were worth going out in a pandemic for? Yeah, I, I honestly didn't know. That's not one of my activities that I want to do, especially if you're, you know, around a bunch of guys um, in a bubble. You know, I, I just think during this pandemic, you got to look out for others. Like, it's not just about yourself. You have to look out for others. And I think it was definitely selfish for Lou Williams to do that. Like, I think it's, you know, silly because it's chicken wings. I do. But Miami Marlins is no excuse. You guys don't go out to strip club 
in Atlanta and just live it up while all the other teams are trying to follow the rules and you're trying to play the bad guy. So let's let's clean that up. Let's get back to normal the way it was as far as COVID goes, if there is a normal. And everyone just do their jobs, wear a mask, social distance, and we can get back to normal within these next couple months. Because these bubbles are actually helping out the players too. Because they're away from COVID. So as long as they follow their process and protocol, those guys are going to be healthy for a long time. And it will be substantial moving forward for years to come for the young guys to stay exactly where they are in that shape. So with that being said, Giff, appreciate your time again. Um, tune in. We'll probably say a couple weeks from now we'll, we'll definitely brainstorm and you know, do some pl- playoff previews. And um, uh, again, shout out to Take a Shelfie podcast. Please listen to them and go check them out on Instagram. Appreciate everyone listening in. Shark out.